0: Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today on the podcast, we have Juan Ortiz, owner and operator of Chick-fil-A here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. What a great interview. There are so many things we talked about during this interview I wanted to write down, just take notes, because Juan gives a lot of great information about leading, about hiring, promoting, uh, how to eventually own your own Chick-fil-A, what that looks like, how to keep customer service at an all-time high. Uh, Just great uh, interview we had with Juan. So uh, sit back and enjoy this interview, and I know you will learn a lot. Before we get to that, let me encourage you to please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And also, you can ask questions, leave comments. We do the best we can to uh, read every one and answer uh, people's questions. So if you have anything you want to share with us, let us know what you're thinking. We always want to get better and grow. Also, coming up soon is an interview with Dale and Amber Jones here at Forest Park Church. Dale is our executive pastor and Amber is our creative pastor. They are married and on staff here at Forest Park and doing a fantastic job. So we're going to be interviewing them soon and you will be able to hear that interview and learn from them. All right, let's get to the interview with Juan Ortiz. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Juan.
1: Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, Glad you are here. Well, I know there are many people listening who have no idea who you are, and I'm just getting to know you as a new friend and part of Forest Park Church here in Elizabeth City. Yeah. So let's introduce you to the audience. So tell us a little bit about who Juan Ortiz is, a little bit about your family, uh, who you are.
1: Okay. Um, I'm Juan Ortiz. I own the local Chick-fil-A in Elizabeth City. Um, I'm married to Melissa. And I have three boys, uh, 11, 8, and 3, and that's Jonathan, Nicholas, and Christian.
0: Three boys, all under the age of 10? Is that uh, right? You under said? the age of 12. 12. 12. Yeah. Okay. Well, that obviously keeps you busy. Very much so. <laughs> sure. And do you sleep at night? Uh,
1: soundly. Okay. Until one of them has a nightmare. <laughs> right.
0: All right. Where Where is home, Juan? Where um, I know Elizabeth City, North Carolina is not your home. You currently live here. But where What do you consider home?
1: Uh. Any place where my wife and kids are. Okay. Um, you know, I, I moved a lot growing up, uh, going to the the next place that had the cheapest amount of rent. Um, and so, um, you know, I lived everywhere from Boston, Virginia Beach, um, all parts of Virginia Beach, Greenbrier, Cox. Uh, I mean, yeah, all, all over the place. Uh, so this
0: was when you were a child? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: New York, Staten Island. Um, so.
0: Now, any, what, was, what was the reason for all the moving?
1: Well, initially, in regards to Staten Island, it was because of um, some negative reasons. Um, there was a, a huge shootout, I witnessed some things, my family was part of some things, and my mom felt it was safe, safer for me to leave that environment before I become a statistic like the rest of my family. And so that's how we moved to Virginia. Um, with so my this, stepdad. So all
0: this occurrence happened in Staten Island? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and how old were you at the time? Uh, we moved here when I was about 11. Okay. And uh, I went to Rosemont Elementary Mm. Um, and then after that, um, you know, my mom and dad just survived and uh, we moved almost every year, um, whatever place that would give you a cheapest rent, because typically if if you've ever rented um, in Hampton Roads, they normally raise the rent every year or every Mm. other year um, for whatever reasons. And, And, you know, it's business. And so my parents were not in favor of, you know, paying an additional $30, $50 per month um, for the same place. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up losing more money moving around than actually staying. But that's neither here nor there now. Yeah. So.
0: Now, when you moved, did you go to a lot of different schools or you stay in the same school district, just moved in different
1: places? Uh, I went, went to somewhere? I went to a lot of different schools. Um, Elementary, I went to Rosemont. That was a, That's an amazing school back then. Yeah. I don't know about now. Um, and then I went to Landstown the first year, opened up. Unfortunately, my family from New York moved down and we pulled a lot of fire alarms then. Yeah. Um, it, we were bad. And then I went to Plaza, and then I went to Greenbrier. Uh, uh, how did I mess that up? Green Run. Green Run. Um, and then went to Cox, and then went to Salem. Um, I call Salem. a lot of schools. Yeah, I call yeah. Salem my school. I love that school. I'm an okay. alumni there. So. Yeah.
0: Sure. Now, moving to all those schools, I also went to a lot of schools growing mm-hmm. up, just moving a lot. I went to a different school every year from kindergarten through seventh grade, I believe it was, and some of those years, a couple schools. So it had a negative impact on me. Now, mm-hmm. was this a negative thing for you? Or oh, yeah. did you? I didn't know if maybe you just happened to be. I was, still am somewhat introverted. Uh, maybe you're more extroverted and just enjoyed all the new people you could meet and different places you could go and but I also didn't have a very great home life, you know, at the time, so things were somewhat difficult. So it could be different for you. Just ask. It.
1: No, it was it was very challenging. Um, you know, at home, I was uh, my stepdad treated me like a stepson, mm-hmm. and um, and all the things that come with that, unfortunately. And so I oftentimes, when I went to new schools, I looked at that as an opportunity um, to develop a new you per se. Mm. And um, and it's I got I got caught up in so many bad things um, growing up that. Um, you'd, you'd be shocked that I'm not arrested or really? in jail today. Yeah. Um, and it was all because I was seeking approval and uh, solace and the wrong people and the wrong
0: things. Now, what about your family, brothers, sisters, large family, small family?
1: Uh, actually, a pretty large family. Um, I have two blood sisters and one blood brother that passed away of cerebral palsy mm-hmm. um, before, I, before I had a chance to meet him. And then I have a stepbrother who just passed away in August. Um, That was crushing. Um, And I also have a stepsister whom I love dearly. And um, I have friends in the family that we grew up together that we call brothers. Um, And uh, they're as close to brothers as anyone else. So that's great.
0: Well, now when you were a child, doing you know moving from here to there, did you have some dreams of what you eventually wanted to become? your career I'm sure we all go through our you know I want to do this for a while then I want to do that but did you have something deep inside that you just dreamed of or wanted to become
1: um when I was around 11 years old I wanted to be a pilot an air force pilot Mm -hmm. actually um but then as the teenage years hit I just wanted to survive yeah um you know my my outlook of the future was very bleak um you know prior to to I got saved and things like that so yeah yeah
0: now is that because of what you witnessed back in staten island or just because of all the moving and different things going on at home or what
1: it was, it was a combination of many things i mean it definitely what i experienced in staten island was a big part of it yeah. and then um you know growing up here inside a christian home um and, and realizing that people are broken yeah um and uh, there is no such thing as a christian that is amazing or perfect right um and then learning how to deal with that and being bitter about that. yeah. Um, and so as time went on, I just, the only viewpoint I had was, I just want to survive till I hit 18. Hmm. Um, and when I turned 18, my mom cried. She did not think or believe that I was going to make it to the age of 18. So um, in regards to aspirations, I just wanted to live. I yeah. wanted to survive. And I wanted the ability to say that I graduated high school. That so, was it.
0: That was your whole yeah. entire goal, just to get out of high school. Yeah, it, it was... Yeah. <laughs> so how did you come to follow Christ? Um, actually. Because that seemed to be a turning point in your life. So what happened? Yeah,
1: it, well, I got saved when I was around um, eight, eight years old, okay. I think. And it was at in, Redeeming. In a, in a church? Yeah. It okay. was at Redeeming Love Christian Center in uh, New Jersey, I believe, uh, by Bear Mountain, um, RLCC, under the Utterbox. Never forget them. Loved their music. Um, but then in this time period, you know, we're still living in New York and I'm still seeing Drugs shootouts um, finding dead bodies for goodness sake seeing people wow. shoot up with crack um, I'm, I'm seeing it um, And so my outlook of Christianity versus um, what it was intended to be was false um, And so um, I lived a life of just putting on a veil um, And my stepdad was a home pastor um, Phenomenal man love him dearly. That's my daddy um, But unfortunately, he didn't mean to but he treated me like his stepson yeah. And so, in turn, there was a lot of bitterness and angst um, when I when I talked to my dad, my stepdad. And so, in that process, um, you know, it—I didn't really come to true saving knowledge till I'd venture to say around November of um, two thousand, November of two thousand. Okay. Um, and uh, it was right before my birthday, and that was. Prior to this, I was living a life of of drug dealing and and just I was I was the low of the low. Um, I was the guy that that parents warned their girls against. I was the guy that um, parents told their boys to stay away from. He's trouble. Um, And my brother, um, he came to me and uh, he was like, Johnny, you know, I want you to come church with me. I'm like, Chris, no, man. Where was Christ when? when I was raped, where was Christ when my sister was raped, where was Christ when, and I went down a list of things, I mean, you can tell I was bitter wow. about everything, and um, he was like, just do this for me, let's just call this my early birthday gift, and, um, you know, so I was like, fine, all right, well, I'm, I'm gonna go, and when I go, um, Christ is dead to me, after this, we're done, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this, um, excuse me, it was November of 99, not November of 2000, and um, he was like, fine. And so I went to Doxer Tabernacle Deliverance under Apostle Butler. And um, I don't even know what the service was about. Um, I walked in and um, next thing I know, I I found myself in tears on the floor crying. Um, It was truly an emotional experience. Uh, And um, and then I recommitted myself to Christ that day. Um, And so, you know, it was a hard road um, from 99 on because you know i had to i had to change the people i hung around you know um, i was i was mostly affiliated with gangs like a latin king um i was mostly affiliated with drugs i was mostly affiliated with people that made decisions that weren't um future oriented (laughs) and so you know in this process just trying to maintain your salvation as, as so as how i looked at it at the time was was a fight and a battle within its own and um but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how things started yeah. for me. It,
0: that's an amazing journey. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is possible there is a parent or, um, you know, just a friend of someone today who is battling drugs, maybe even possibly gangs listening to this podcast, and they feel extremely discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, as a pastor here, at Forest Park, you know I interact with families whose, you know, whose kids either are, are on drugs or they know someone who is or selling or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever. We've had some recent tragedies in our community yeah. Uh, yeah. as a result of, of, you know, drugs and gangs and things Correct. like that. Just, you know, quickly, what, what would you say to that parent or that uncle listening or that friend of someone to encourage them because that was where you were. And more than likely, almost guaranteed, based on what you've just said so far, had Christ not come into your life, had something not changed the direction you were walking, you would not be sitting here at this table today. Oh, yeah, beyond a doubt. So what, what would yeah. you say to that mom, that friend who's got that kid who's just, seems like beyond help, what would you say?
1: Um, love them. Oh. I mean, love them. Love them. Love uh, them as as the word of god says so not not as your heart not as as um how you think but um, show them the love of christ in the midst of heartaches and and pain and um separate them break them away from that grouping because you can love them all day long but there's a high probability they're going to go back to those people they're going to go back to that um drug or drugs and 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 they're going to they're going to run back to it because that's their solace yeah um, separate them from it, do whatever you got to do, Get, move if you have to um, just break them away from that environment and surround them around people that's going to love them. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's not the kind of answer parents want to hear oftentimes. Right. Um, well, often we know.
0: want, you know, three things, just give me three things to do. And if I do these three things, then the the ending will be great, but that's not the way it works.
1: No, I wish it was. I wish yeah. things were that simple and, and that, that cookie cutter, but it, if there is, I, I would love to learn it, Yeah. because um, Lord willing, I, I hope I do not go through that same thing with my kids. But yeah. you know, and I would imagine in
0: your life, it was not really one thing that turned your life around. It was probably a series of events, people, beyond pain, a doubt, yeah, you know, different things that yeah. led you to the place where you made a decision oh, to go. Okay, this is it. I'm done. I've got to go a different way. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, there was there was no one thing. I mean, I had I had four men in my life that. Um, Did not have to mentor me and they chose to mentor me and they didn't even define it as mentoring
0: They just were these men from the church or in your community or one
1: one was from the church Um, His name was Rob Stevenson. He passed away a couple years back. Um, He was uh, with acts Two church. He was the pastor there Mm -hmm. Um, He showed me what the love of Christ can look like within the ministry as well as within a family which um, to me the only um, experience I've ever had was um, You play the role and then another one was Bill Davis at, uh, Chick-fil-A in Indian river. Um, he hired this little thug looking kid and, and by all definition a stereotype, I was, <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, he started asking me those tough questions. And then the other two was my father and in- future father-in-law and my future grandfather-in-law. Um, they kind of took me under their wing and they, they just pounded me. I mean, um, they asked me questions that I was never prepared to answer, um, you know they they asked me questions that was christ-centered not i centered and so um things like you know what are you what are you doing you know yeah. <laughs> something like what, what do you mean what i'm doing i'm i'm working no 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 the things that are going on in your heart right now i can tell and it was there was a lot of discernment go discernment going on that i never would have known i just thought they were kind of off and left field sometimes and um but no they were they were a huge blessing there was there was no It was truly um, a a process and a journey. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. And they never gave up. That's the deal.
1: No, no, no. I mean, even up to this day, my uh, my father-in-law would randomly come up to me and just say, I'm so proud of you. Hmm. And I'm like, pop, I'm thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for giving me your daughter's hand in marriage, because you knew just like I know now I I did not deserve it. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, you're sitting in a position today that you would have never dreamed you would oh, be yeah, in. Yeah. You know, so you are currently owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A here in Elizabeth City, mm-hmm. and doing a fantastic job. By the way, I go there often, and I'm so love, sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love uh, Chick-fil-A no matter where I go. But uh, I think we have an exceptional one here in Elizabeth City, and Thank you. and you are a part of that. So, how did you? This tell us. I know it's a long, you know, journey mm-hmm. to get from where you were to owner-operator for Chick-fil-A, but a little bit of that journey that you get hired as a teenager in Chick-fil-A, like you mentioned a moment mm-hmm. ago, and the, and you just thought, OK, I can do this one day. Or how did that work? I mean, how do you get hired in just as a person, you know, working there and you end up owner operator of a Chick-fil-A? What does that look like?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was hired as a team member, a dishwasher. My first day was um, Black Friday hmm. and anyone that's ever worked in a restaurant on Black Friday or at least in a mall on Black Friday, it is. It is horrid. Yeah. Just absolutely horrible. where's your day to first start. day? My first day. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't originally planned. Yeah. Um, I, I came down with the flu two weeks prior, but uh, my first day was Black Friday. Wow. And, um, you know, I worked what was supposed to be a six hour shift doing dishes. I worked 14 hours and I, I stood below the radar and just kept on trucking. And by the, before I knew it, the closing manager was like, hey, weren't you supposed to go home at two o'clock? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, but nobody came and took over my spot. So I kept it moving. Um, and so I, you know, anyone that wants to be an owner or operator, it's, it's a, there isn't a cookie cutter path as far as I'm aware of. I mean, you can go in internally, um, work for an operator and have them take you under their wing and, and, you know, kind of earn your stripes for lack yeah. of a better way to put it. Um, that's easier said than done. Sure. <clears throat> and then there's the other method. Um, which a lot of people do is they try to come in externally, and that's really challenging. Actually, that's far harder than doing it internally. Um, externally, um, they have to show that they have um, showed success in their ventures. Um, now and when you
0: externally, you're, you're talking about just someone who is not part of Chick Fil A. Correct. Yep. They just go, "Hey, I'd love to own one one day. I'd yeah. love to operate one day. So I'm just going to. My goal is to own one. So I'm coming at it direct." Just coming in and yeah. I want to I want to buy one get one buy into the company whatever is that buy. right Well I don't know how that <laughs> works but
1: um yeah yeah I mean to, to put it in perspective forty eight thousand people as far as I'm aware of and you can't quote me on that but I believe forty eight thousand people put in an app um, with Chick Fil A to become owner operators out of that forty eight thousand. Um, 100 opportunities are available. And out of the 100 opportunities, typically um, 60 to 70 opportunities are internal. So now you're looking at 30 to 40 opportunities that someone may um, be hired for. Um, and out of that 30 to 40 opportunities, um, roughly 10 of them may not make it to real estate. And so now you're looking at about 20, you know? Wow. <laughs> and so out of 48,000, maybe, maybe. 20 will be. Selected. And that's external external. Okay. And so that you
0: have a much higher chance. In, internal. Internal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting hired, working un- getting to know the company, mm-hmm. the way the system works, knowing people moving up slowly, mm-hmm. much better shot. is what I'm hearing Um,
1: about. yeah, yeah, it's, it's a much better shot. It gives you the ability to, to have results in Chick-fil-A language, um, that, um, correlate with, um, whether or not you have the ability to own and operate a future store. Um, in regards to buying in, um, uh, I don't know what other fast food chains charge, um, Chick-fil-A charges $10,000. Yeah. 5,000 is non-refundable. 5,000 is the deposit. And, um,
0: and what does that give you the 10,000? Like what? It gives you the keys. Keys to a store. Yeah.
1: They, they build out, they do everything. They, wow. they train you.
0: That's internally now. That's if internal is and in, external. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, they, they do it all the way from start to finish. Um. So that's why, like, um, when you meet Chick-fil-A operators, um, we all will say we are grateful because we do not deserve um, where we're at right now. Um, Because if you really look at the the numbers, um, it'll be much easier, surprisingly, even I was homeless for four years and I probably could have figured out a way to make it happen. Um, It would have been much easier to generate a 100 grand to a quarter of a million somehow, some way, whatever method you choose to buy into a fast food restaurant right. you know it would have been easier that way than being selected out of 48,000 people yeah. and uh, you know out of that 48,000 some of them are still waiting from the year before so it's really more than 48,000 so yeah wow. it's 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 pretty
0: hard it's yeah. shocking what are they looking for <laughs> i mean i can imagine just you know obviously they're looking for someone who mm-hmm. you know understands the company and works hard but what are some of the the qualities that you think i mean you, to have that many applicants and narrow it down so, yeah, so much so, and only a handful of people, you know, relatively speaking, get the keys. What, 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 what is it that sticks out? What are they looking for in a person?
1: Um, typically, they look for character, chemistry, and competency, um, and then also they look for ownership, opportunistic, and um, ownership, opportunistic, and optimistic. Yeah. Um, so the three O's and three C's. Um, and then when all things are tied, they're also looking at college and credit, yeah. you know, and <laughs> that sounds very easy to fulfill because everybody can say, oh, I, I fit that role. Sure. But when you put yourself in the same table with an executive leader of another organization that has tried and tried, you know, true blue experience and success, you know, it's, it's very challenging uh, to really
0: say that you can measure up. And that's the scary part. About so how did you, how did you do it? I mean, you get hired as a dishwasher, your first days Black Friday <laughs> yeah. and and what year was that? Uh, that was
1: actually in November of 99 so I got saved, um, was hired at chick-fil-A and um, and I got I was ended up I ended up being sick and then I started that first day, which is Black Friday.
0: Okay, so nineteen years ago you were a dishwasher. Today, you' are owner operator yeah. Locus. Yeah. St- so yeah. you know obviously many things have happened in mm-hmm. the nineteen. 19- How long have you been owner operator?
1: Um, I was selected as an owner-operator in 2006, and I was a corporate manager, which is basically an acting owner-operator, in 2005.
0: Okay, so you're talking only like eight years from the day you started washing dishes to yeah. where you had the keys. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, that's, that's Is that unique? Is yeah. That, is that pretty typical? I mean, I don't know how that works within it's, the company.
1: All in all, I, I'd venture to say it's pretty unique.
0: Okay, so um, what happened?
1: It, well, you know, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, I had the support of the local operator that I worked for. He, um, he championed me and he, uh, put me through the ropes. He invested significant amount of money into my training and my leadership, uh, expanded my leadership
0: capacity. Now, is that a Chick-fil-A training or did they send you somewhere else for training or how did that work? Both,
1: both. Um, so we have a lot of internal training that, um, is amazing, quite frankly. Um, but then there's some external trainings that, um, Chick-fil-A doesn't offer, um, Some things like uh, soft skills, like today's generation, a lot of them need soft skill training, um, according to books. (laughs) Um, You know, and there's a lot of little things like that, that, um, you know, life life planning, long term planning, short term planning that Chick-fil-A doesn't offer from a curriculum standpoint that most operators offer personally through their experience. Um, You know, I worked my way up and uh, it was a scenario where I saw an opportunity and um i did the best i could regardless of whether or not someone was looking um and so some of that is integrity um you know we have we have what's called three s's um within chick-fil-a it's uh don't steal don't do business on sad uh sunday and um don't have relations with employees (laughs) um you know those are the quick ways to get your keys taken away quick way in general that we uh it's a it's kind of a rule of thumb we have and so all that really stems back to is showing integrity Um, What are you doing and who are you when no one's looking? And so through the process, um, I wasn't really focusing on having integrity, but thankfully that came through. And so um, I worked my way up as a team member, team leader, certified trainer, um, marketing, uh, excuse me, not marketing, uh, training director. um, And then I skipped over manager and I ended up being um, what's called an acting general manager because the general manager before me, Um, decided to pursue other ventures. And that's kind of where things kind of really shot off because it was a natural fit. Um, And then I was offered an opportunity to help out at a grand opening Um, for anyone that wants to be an operator that's internally. I highly recommend doing grand openings, highly recommend it. It gives you the ability to expand your horizons and see that there's different ways to produce better results. Um, And with this grand opening, I met um, the consultant that was kind of in charge of your future (laughs) Um, and uh, his name is Craig Perry amazing guy and I didn't know who he was but I was at the grand opening in Suffolk uh, Main Street uh, under Nicole Digby and um, excuse me and um, you know they made me the kitchen uh, supervisor and uh, I walked in there I'm like all right you know, I'm going to do it because I worked for Nikki as part time at her other place in Military Circle Mall. And I was, I was like, I'm going to do this for her because she's amazing. I love her. She's awesome. Um, you know, she's like a sister I haven't, you know, I, I never had a chance to work with. And so um, I went in there with that attitude. And next thing I know, um, all the other owners locally were in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were really excited, but they were just in the way. And and I, ha- I kind of stopped everything. We're in the middle of a grand opening. We're, we're creating record setting days. And I was like, guys, listen, uh, you're amazing. I think y'all are awesome, and and I'd love for y'all to be here. But if you're not willing to put on gloves, put on a hairnet and an apron and actually work with the throughput we need, I need y'all to get out of my kitchen. Um, And this is before I found out who Craig Perry was, which is the consultant. He was right next to me. Hmm. And everybody was like, you know, kind of grumbled and walked away. Um, I thought they hated me. Come to find out they loved me for it. Um, And I looked at Craig. I said, can you keep up on fries? He said, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get my wife. And uh, my wife was, uh, she came in Chick-fil-A. I met her at Chick-fil-A. And she was sitting in the dining room. I said, babe, I need your help. Are you sure? Look, I'll deal with it. I need your help. She came in. And next thing I know, we were running boards together, which is the busiest position in all of the store, that and breading. Um, and she was on boards with me. And we just, we ended up breaking records. And that's kind of where things took the turn because um, Craig invited me to sit down for a meeting and. And in this meeting he asked me hey have you been to college i said no do you plan on going to college no why not i said well why do i need to go to college to learn what life is like when i've already experienced life i said also in regards to curriculum and business i've already done this this and this and this i can probably teach some of this now confidence and arrogance they tend to run one in the same in people's views (laughs) um and uh needless to say i was very confident um and a lot of people thought i was arrogant and and that's kind of how the process began Um, So in that interview, he basically gave me a chance. He said, all right, well, um, I'm going to send you to the corporate training class uh, to be a corporate manager. And I expect for you to graduate at the top of your class. And then with the serve safe, I expect for you to graduate at the top of your class. I expect, and he gave me these lists of expectations, which I found out um, weren't realistic. Um, You know, so in my head, I'm like, all right, fine. We'll make it happen. And, um, and so we, a friend of mine and I, we went to the corporate manager class around the same time. And uh, before I knew it, um, you know, I ended up getting the letters of recommendation. I ended up graduating top of class and all these things. And um, it was, I was just singular, I was focused on it. And, um, and then he sends me up to Boston. And that's everything after that um, is history. You know, I was given an opportunity in Boston in a store that was going downhill in sales. And um, my first year there, The store ended up uh, being up double digits every year while I was there. The store was up double digits. Um, You know, it it was a scenario where it it was a natural fit, and so that's why that's why oftentimes when people say, "How do I become an owner?" You know, all I can say is, "Well, my biggest advice is go internal, and then be willing to um, to show grit through that process because we will try to talk you out of it. Your customers will try to talk you out of it by their actions and their Um, emotions they bring to the table that's amazing
0: well i know that they uh interesting story regarding chick-fil-a in new york right is, <laughs> it, they, mm-hmm. is it the first first time they've opened in new york is that how it is well we,
1: we have a couple in new york okay. now
0: but um, well, they've been in the news recently a little yeah bit. yeah was interesting. uh
1: greece actually okay um f- the owner-operator of the chick-fil-a in uh, greenbriar mall it's his brother really and um the one in greece did a phenomenal job i mean oscar uh Fittipaldi and the one in new york city also did an amazing job um we're really excited about that because we wanted to go into new york city for years and when i was in boston i remember going down in new york city with some people um in chick-fil-a i'm like you know this would be a good spot do not go here because i have a history with new sure. york um and so seeing the success there um you know it warms my heart uh but i'm not going back to new york yeah. <laughs>
0: they have one there; there's like four stories or something
1: yeah that's actually the one in greece that's the one in Greece, if I'm Amazing. right. Um, I believe that's the one in Greece. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't remember his brother's name, but um, yeah, it's it was it was an eye-opening experience. It was very challenging. Um, when you deal with four stories, it, the complexity of the business is shocking. You know, you you realize how easy you have it at one story, Yeah. and then you start talking. Well, four how stories.
0: how does the four stories? I mean, is it you order on one story or is it all mm-hmm. four? How does that Mm-hmm. work out with four different stories what I mean, is it
1: i'm pretty certain i'm pretty certain that you order on one story and then you can have seating and the wow. remaining other stories that's i mean in new york though you have a very limited footprint sure you know from a square
0: footage standpoint yeah. so, so you got to go up correct out, right? yeah
1: exactly that's the blessing the blessing of being down south is that you have a lot of oh, square yeah. footage <laughs> sure.
0: well one of the realities of uh, chick-fil-a at least it has been for me is the incredible service. The customer service, (laughs) I think, is just one of the things that stands out so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. just my personal experience here in our community. You know, I've gone through drive-throughs and other, you know, know, uh, restaurants here in our community, and I wait and wait, and they're often out of this or out of that. You know, it's just incredible. I go to Chick-fil-A. It can be literally at lunchtime, and the cars are wrapped, you know, halfway around the building, and I'm still only there five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come out and greet you and they take your order in line and they're kind. And I mean, I'm just amazed at the customer service. So how do you guys keep the level of service so high? There's, there's gotta be, cause I, I just sit around and think, okay, you know, there's other restaurants in our community that pull from the same people, you know, yeah. they're hiring from our the community, same, Yeah, it's, but it's all yet Chick-fil-A people. is, you know, head and shoulders above the rest in, in speed and quality. And I'm just amazed. So,
1: um, you know, within Chick-fil-A, we say results and relationships. Um, most times, people look at the results, and they, they schedule for results, they pursue the results, they celebrate, and um, they con- consequence the results. Um, what most people do is miss the relationships part. Mm. So when it comes to training, yeah, we, we train um, for the service, yeah, beyond a doubt, but really, we put more emphasis on the relationships. Um, I have a firm belief that if I if I treat my people well, if my leadership team treat their people well um, and we show that we care, genuinely care, um, the results will come innately. I mean, the proof is there. Um, The previous owner, Ian, is a good example. Phenomenal relationships guy, man. And and he was also um, a really good community guy. And he was everywhere. Um, I'm not like him in the community part. I like to stay (laughs) uh, behind and and really spend time with my team better, uh, more than um, what I would normally do. And so um, Ian really set the bar walking in and walking out. And then when I came in, all I ended up doing was he gave me keys to a Ferrari versus um, keys to, you know, any other 1980s vehicle out there. Um, and so all we do is focus on relationships and the results is natural, typically. Yeah, I'm just amazed though,
0: <laughs> you know, at, in the drive-through, at the window, no matter what, there's, you know, and I'm sure there's always exceptions. So mm-hmm. I, I know everybody mm-hmm. has a bad day and there's some days that it's not as great as others. But I'm talking about overall, you mm-hmm. know, consistently. I see smiles, I mm-hmm. see kindness. Yeah. You know, if, if you have to wait for something, they're very apologetic. Uh, they go above and beyond, you know, they greet you. It's just, and then I just see that. I don't see that in so many other places, you know, and I'm just amazed that you guys are able, obviously you have a very strict hiring process because like, you've <laughs> got to start out with the right people, right? Yeah. We have you some core things. can't hire the first yeah. 10 people who walk through the door, no. you know, no. and expect excellence. So what you've got to have pretty strict policies in place. So what does a hiring process look mm-hmm. like?
1: Um, we, we make them go online and fill out an application. There's a survey. So anybody who wants to work for yeah. Chick-fil-A, first-time
0: job, they go online. Everybody does that. Correct. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, we stop accepting physical applications because of um, the unfortunate scenario where an application gets misplaced. And then someone calls, hey, I placed an app. And, and the whole time we're scrambling. You know, well, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but you're going to have to place another one. Or, or um, it's already been filed away or something like that. And so now we, we do everything digitally. And uh, it gave us the ability to be way more thorough um, in the interview process. Um, all we really look at are, are what we call the core four: um, Are they maintaining eye contact? Are they smiling naturally? You know, wholly with their heart. You know, yeah. um, are they enthusiastic? Uh, and their tone of voice show that enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, um, and are they trying to pursue a relationship in the conversation? If so they can all, do all of
0: that. The, those are people skills. Oh, beyond a doubt. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking first and foremost at whether or not this is a person mm-hmm. a natural relationship could be built with a customer. Correct. Yep. Do they have the and, ability, or with each other? Right. You know. Do they have the ability to be friends? Yeah. Make friends, comfortable with people.
1: Okay. Yep. And then after they get past that initial screening, the next thing we look at is the position that they're pursuing, um, and the availability that they're pursuing. Because what a lot of people don't know is that. At the Elizabeth City store, we start everybody at $11 an hour. It's not $6.50, $8.00. $8. We start everyone at an inflated rate. So with that said, we have certain expectations when it comes to productivity and availability that must be met. And so um, normally, if we get a 20-hour applicant in, unfortunately, we don't hire them, um, or a 15-hour applicant. Normally, we're pursuing a 30-hour applicant if it's physically possible. Um, but that gives us the ability to have more stability within the organization and within the the scheduling, so that we can offer that service. And it gives someone the ability to pay their rent. Yeah. I mean, we've all worked in in stores and positions in which, um, you know, we we had to work two or three jobs to survive. And and I'm trying to pull away from that to the best of my ability within um, the realms of profits and things like that. I mean, I didn't have to make that decision to go high on labor, I mean, high on um, wage line. But I did it anyway, just for the sake of being able to look my people in the eye and say, hey, no man can serve two masters. And, and that sounds really awkward to say, but um, I want to be your number one. And in order for me to be your number one, I'm willing to invest into you right now on what the, on from a financial standpoint, regardless of whether or not you're trained. And so um, it's
0: been very beneficial for us thus far. So well. you, you pay them well, <laughs> You expect, you know, complete focus on their mm-hmm. job. So mm-hmm. you don't, you're not bringing in people who work 15 hours over here at one job, oh, and no. 10 hours over there. And they run over to Chick-fil-A and they Correct. work 10 hours a week, you know, and they're divided in their, in their loyalties mm-hmm. and their passion. So you pay them well, you hire them for at least 30 hours plus per week. Mm-hmm. So you can expect more of them yeah. and you can be much more um, picky, if you will, a selective in the people you hire yeah because they have to fit a certain fit within that framework yeah
1: i mean and the other part is um we love them dearly yeah i mean it's um we're adding someone into our family um this isn't a job for us this is our career and um our sometimes customers don't really treat us like it's a career you know they they have a negative outlook on fast food and and you know i'm sorry they feel that way Mm -hmm. you know but these are people that um they love what they do and so because of that as, as leaders of the organization and as an HR person, we have to be very selective on who we bring into this family. Um, are they bringing baggage to the table, basically? And and w- if it's baggage, are we willing to work with them on that? Yeah. It's not... We don't expect anyone perfect because that but doesn't how, exist. Do
0: you, how do you discover that before you hire this person?
1: Normally, it's in the interview. Okay. Um, in the interview, we hire with, with the core four, with availability, um, and then also on top of that, with integrity. Yeah. We... I mean, just like you are, and most leaders out there, we're we're pretty decent at catching liars or catching the face. So you're looking for that the entire interview. We're just looking for transparency and honesty. If you most times, if you're transparent with us and if you're honest with us, providing that no red flags go up, that's a threat. um, You know, we we'll work with you. We'll do the best we can for you, because we are bought into you. Um, You know that dollar an hour thing. It's it's part of us buying into you, but then also. When you're hired, we we have events where you come to our house. You grill. You, you we go out together. We we do things that um, isn't really indicate isn't really something that you hear about in a fast food chain. Yeah. And these are things that I pay for. It's not hey, let's go to Bush Gardens together and you can pay your own way. No, 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 no. It's on me. Wow. You know, let's let's have fun. Don't That's worry great. about it.
0: So. so once a person is hired at Chick Fil A, how do they? What's the process of getting promoted? Like, you know, I'm sure you've got, Mm -hmm. obviously you've got certain, you know, questions you're asking, interview process, you're weeding through these, you're looking for transparency. The person gets hired. Mm -hmm. So you've got somewhat of a selective elite group you hire to begin with. Okay. So then how do you pick out of the elite group even more elite people? What are you looking for to get them promoted? Um,
1: I'm going to start with the top. Uh, Directors. um, We look for the best way to put it is a conductor of a symphony. Um, when it comes to their leadership ability. Um, our our directors should have the ability um, to train and to support other leaders. Um, and so that's holistically. Five-year plan, sales and brand growth plan, profit plan, marketing plan. All of our directors have that ability to not only produce said plan, but also to operate within those realms. Um, and on top of that, they're willing and able to teach what leadership looks like. Yeah. Um, the directors are typically like the... The executive leaders of the organization. I mean, I'm the owner operator. Yes, but um, a vast majority of things I do for them is is going through what I call ESRC: expectations, skills, resources, consequence, whether it be good or bad. Um, and then the next thing is the leaders. The leaders are um, they have smaller teams that they work with, and the emphasis is is basically their directors in training. And so what that means is that they're still learning how to develop relationships. They're still learning how to um, create. Uh, results through people not only through their own hard work um, and all those things like when you look at director team leader and then down a certified trainer it's, it's basically just keeps cascading down and so as a team member your first thing is pursue what certified training is and, and essentially that's operationally sound are you operationally sound in what you want to be a trainer in because ultimately if you're operationally sound you're going to be be developing relationships of trust with the people that you train which in turn creates a future leader and then that's where team leader comes into play, because as a certified trainer, you just trained four, six, 12 people on this one area and they trust you and they believe in you. And now all of a sudden you are a team leader in their eyes, whether or not you have the position and pay yet, um, and then rinse and repeat with team leaders. Now with team leaders, you have six to 12 certified trainers that you work for. They are looking at you because you train them up and then with that into directors and it's, it's one of those things where um, we, we do more results, I mean, we do more relationships than results, um, but it starts, the paradigm starts to shift. So team leaders, certified trainers, certified tra- team members, certified trainers are predominantly results oriented. Um, and then certified trainers, the team leaders are typically starts to make the transition into relationships and results. And then directorship, so to say, or executive leader are predominantly relationships because the expectations are the results are already
0: in place. Yeah. That's fascinating. Very good. Now, how directly involved are you at your, at your store?
1: Uh, Very little actually. I'm always there in regular clothes. Yeah. Um, I'm normally walking in the back and hanging out with the guys in the back laughing. If you ever hear laughter in the back, <laughs> it's, You're there. it's almost always me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, we're normally back there singing and things like that. Um, so the front line gets a lot of positive feedback from people. They get no. they have a, all the interactions, but yeah. the guys in the back, man, man they are working hard. You know, no matter how high you put that AC on, it's still hot back there. Yeah. Um, no matter how many times you try to change the system, they're still struggling sometimes to keep up with the demand. And so normally I'm back there with them, just cracking jokes and making everyone laugh, sometimes unfortunately creating weights yeah. <laughs> because uh, we get um, distracted. Sure. <laughs> um, but normally I'm back there or I'm in the dining room sitting down talking to a customer or to an employee in regular clothes and um, the employees know I'm the owner operator. And so I'm normally with them typically, but in a customer standpoint, they don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And so normally, um, like in your case, before you met me, I actually nodded to you and, Mm. you know, and I opened the door for you. I remember it very well, which is really funny to think about. (laughs) Um, and there's quite a few people in this in Elizabeth city that doesn't even know I'm the owner, which quite frankly, I'm okay with that. You know, my directors, are the true blue face of our of this business my leadership team are the true blue face of the business my team members are the face of the business um and is your is yeah. your
0: main purpose for doing that to keep your your kind of finger on the pulse of of the of the people who are coming yes in, yeah whether they're happy if they if, if, what's the vibe of the mm-hmm. you know of the environment that's the reason you're there to yeah to keep them encouraged in the back and also to kind of find out what the customers are, what their experience is like out front. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's um, the easiest way to put it is to be approachable. Yeah. Um, as an executive leader, people tend to put up a face. Um, they tend to name drop. Uh, they tend to say, oh, we're best friends, and and quite frankly, you're not, yeah. you know? And um, so when it when it's in regards to the dining room and things like that, I'm normally in regular clothes, and I'm just listening to people and um, just, creating the environment that people feel like, oh, even the customers are nice, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in the back, um, you know, I'm joking with these guys about all kinds of conversations or having real, you know, upfront conversations about, um, what does Christ look like in the business? Yeah. You know, what does Christ look like in your life right now? While we're in the middle of um, blowing through this huge hour that most restaurants would scream and holler for, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's more so about just the heart. Uh, all I really want to do is know where the heart's at, and how can i help that
0: yeah that's great what is a what is a recurring challenge you have in your position you know is it is it the hiring is it the training is it the customer service is it the you know what's marketing i don't know just what do you have that's maybe a a recurring challenge maybe it's just a unique challenge maybe in this community versus Mm -hmm. virginia beach or whatever i'm just curious what is it you face on a consistent basis that you find challenging
1: um one thing I hear a lot about um, locally is people say it's oh, it's hard to find good people and things like that. and you hear that across the nation
0: yeah um, so that's not unique here
1: no, no, okay. no, no, it's it's in Hampton Roads. it's in okay. Boston, it's in New
0: York. it's in Do you think that's always Texas. been true or is that somewhat new? That phenomenal. will always be true okay. and and not know if it was just our generation today, I hear that a lot. no hear a lot no. of the generation today gets thrown under the bus. yes, yeah, today I, you can't mm-hmm. find good help today. <laughs> You know
1: the generation today i mean if you really think about it the generation that's in the workplace right now are just jaw-dropping phenomenal mm. i mean think about that we we're creating um cloaking technology wearable cloaking technology from this generation today yep. that's going to save lives yeah you know we're, we're creating um you know technology that's going that's on the mars on mars right now yep. and then you know a manned mission with this generation right now yep. you know so um, so you're impressed with this generation. Oh, I love this yeah. generation. So we hear a lot of um, the the social media and, and things like that. You know, social media is the, the king of uh, what's true and what's not, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you hear a lot about entitlements. You hear a lot about um, babies being adults because, you know, they don't know how to cope and things like that. Um, my response to many of those people is typically, well, what have you done? As the older generation, what have you done? to help build this generation because I know when I was growing up my parents didn't say I was entitled my parents didn't say any of those things you know they said I'm sorry you feel that way get up make it happen and so when you have a group of young kids that are growing into adults now that are viewed as being entitled what that tells you is that the generation prior was so busy with paying bills or whatever the reason may be that they didn't instill these things according to based upon what they're based upon the narrative of the current generation. Yeah. Um, the generation today, man, I love them. They're phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. They're they're bought in. They want to know the why before mm-hmm. the how, mm-hmm. um, and that why is shocking because when you can develop your why, like Simon Sinek says, right. um, man, the world is your oyster. Yep. You know, you can do almost anything that's realistic. And so I'm, I went on a tangent, but uh, well, that's the biggest great. the Let's
0: biggest <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's refreshing <laughs> to hear someone say. How much they love today's generation? Oh, they're because phenomenal. I hear I hear them constantly being put down, and they're lazy, and they, they don't have a strong work ethic, and you know all these different things. I hear that all the time.
1: If that's the case, then Chick Fil A wouldn't be exactly going where we're at. It's it's not about whether or not they're lazy or they don't have a poor they don't have a good work ethic. It's whether or not you as the executive leader are actually effectively leading. Yeah, you know, it's part of being a leader is capturing someone's heart. Yeah, if 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 your team is not operating at a at a at a pace or at the results in which you're desiring whose fault is it is it the team or is right. it yours as an executive leader it's always yours
0: so would you agree that it's not so much that our generation today is you know whatever it is they describe them to be in a in a in a negative sense it's maybe today's leaders are not skilled at leading them well uh, yeah, they yeah. do not know how to lead today's generation. Well, I, I think um, it requires a different set of skills. and they're not, they're not ready for it. They don't know what to do. I mean, if
1: you think about it, today's leaders are stemming back from the sweat off your brow, the right. sweat off your back, the bloody knuckles. You know, that's the generation that they led through hard work. And man, there's we definitely need that instilled in today's generation. There's no way and buts about that. But they didn't learn how to lead. How to how to train, how to teach someone how to think all the way through a process, not not about an operation, but about their thoughts. How do you how do you put your thoughts through a filter? How do you talk about what's really important? And so um, I think the reason why we're dealing with some of the things we're dealing with now is because the generations prior to had their own sets of challenges that they had to work through. Just like this generation has their own sets of challenges, they need to work through.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, well, a few more personal questions. Mm-hmm. We'll steer it away from Chick Fil A a little <laughs> bit to you. Where where do you see yourself in maybe ten years from today? I know it's very <laughs> difficult to predict, but just what you know maybe a dream, something you'd mm-hmm. I'd like to see myself here. You know, in twenty twenty eight. You know, here's where I would love to see myself.
1: Um, the twenty twenty eight thing in regards to. It's, it's a funny, it's a weird question to ask because my answer is even worse. Um, you know, in Elizabeth City, yeah. I have no desire to leave. Um, what I see myself as in 2028 isn't really where I'm at or things like that. It's things that we've been able to accomplish, leading more people to Christ. Um, talking to young men and women and showing them that you can show the love of Christ through all things. You know, because you have the ability by, as a Christian, to love people through all things. Um, teaching people how to sit down and have a conversation with someone that they don't agree with at the foundational level. Yeah. Some of my best friends are Wiccans, Buddhists, yeah. um, you know, and, and <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah. They're my best friends. But the yeah. one thing I can say is that when we sit at the table, we can share what we disagree about each other. And we can share what we agree. And we can love each other through that process which has led to some of them actually being saved and to some of them actually turning away from certain things not because i'm coming in with a, an iron hand but because i'm i'm trying to work on the relationship so in 2028 honestly it's it's not about all the things i have um it's not about where i'm at it's more so about you know how did i go and and preach the word how did i go and make disciples amongst man how did i Um, show someone or show a group of people that the pains and the hurts that I've been through today and yesterday and years prior was specifically designed so that I can talk to you about what you're dealing with right now. Imagine going to a young woman that has been raped or a young man that's been raped and say, yo, I've been through it. I've been through it. And and I don't have answers for it, but I can can tell you that Christ does love you in spite of what you feel and what you think. Or and the list goes down, you yeah. know, it's you know, so really in 2028, 20, that's really what I see. Um, and Chick-fil-A is just the avenue in which I use it because I have a whole list of employees that are broken. Yeah. I have a list of employees that have been through some things that you would never, ever think they've been through. Yeah. And when you sit down and have a conversation with them. You would think that they have it all together and things yeah. like that, and they're struggling like anyone else. So you
0: almost see what you do at Chick-fil-A as, as, a, as an extension of ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, whenever you're in, you're in a form of leadership, you're always in a form, well, you're always in a form of, lead of yeah. uh, ministry, whether a leadership or not. Yeah. Um, the only difference is that I have a captured audience, yeah. and that's my team members yeah. um, versus um, other people that they interact with X amount of people throughout their day. Yeah,
0: That's excellent. Well, where's an area where Juan needs consistent help? We're not we're not all great at everything, you know. Yeah. We have our imperfections, yeah. and when it comes to leadership, and you know, I, I sit across this mic from a lot of people, and you know, leaders, and and uh, many of them are, you know, i just not very good at organization, or I'm not very good at the the people side. You know, I do great in the office, but I have other people who help me in the front line. What, you know, maybe what is what is one area where you think, hey. I, I need to hire more to that, or I need to bring people in to help me with this.
1: Um, well, I don't. I'm not really thinking about work or Chick Fil A. I'm thinking more so just about personally. Okay, and I'm critical. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I am so critical of myself, and and it's <laughs> people can think, oh, you're humble. No, no, that's not hum- humility. Yeah. That's that's. I think I am that bad. Hmm. Um, you know how you're raised in a certain environment, and you have a natural um, tendency to listen to that quote-unquote small voice. Well. That's what I deal with. You know, I deal with um, after we walk away listening to a podcast, you know, and I would guarantee I'm like, oh, I started rambling. Oh, this. Oh, that. I really should have directed towards
0: this scripture or, you so know. You have, so you have this self-critical voice always uh, it's playing unfortunate. in the background.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I mean, the... The, so blessing. the blessing
0: part is it keeps you motivated Correct. To, ma- to make some changes, but yeah. it also can drive you nuts because you're just always listening to it. Mm-hmm. You never can almost rejoice or celebrate anything because you're always thinking of what you could have done better.
1: Yeah, I have a hard time accepting compliments. My wife, mm-hmm. she was like, man, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, thanks, babe, but, you know, I dropped the ball on this. <laughs> yeah, in, in a
0: message um, a few months ago, I had read this somewhere, not. it stuck with me so, uh, so much. I talked to the congregation about it that – when we hear positive comments, you know. Oh, I, I was here for that. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they hit us like, you know, Teflon. Mm-hmm. They just hit and slide right off. But when we hear a negative comment, it's oh, like Velcro. It,
1: yeah, And it just sticks. I'd venture and to say it's like a hollow point. Yeah, It, it goes all through that Teflon. And, it, it, and, and it I deal with that. Damages you know, I can you. <laughs> walk
0: out, you know, after a message or completion of a series or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and 15 people. Hey, great job, man. I love that. That was so challenging. It was so good. And I'm, you know, thank you. And I'm genuinely thankful. Mm-hmm. But then that one person can say, you know, I, I disagree with this or I think you were way off here. And even though I've learned over 25 years, you know, not to allow that to get me down, I still will think about that mm-hmm. comment for hours. And the other 15 are gone. The, yeah. the positive ones have dissipated. And that one negative comment, I'll think, you know, what should I have said? Maybe how, how could I have done that better? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with it because if, if you can learn from it and go well, maybe I wasn't as clear as I could have been, mm-hmm. or maybe I should have used a different scripture or a different illustration. Yeah. But still, that just can get in inside of you, and it just plays with you, and it, it, it can drive you nuts.
1: Yeah, it's um some of the biggest challenges I, I end up finding myself facing. Um, you know, and it, it's kind of cyclical too. Like it's there's cycles that happen. Um, you know, something great's going on. And I'm like, uh, you know, either A, you're in a storm or B, you're coming out of a storm or C, you're, you're pretty much about to go into a storm, you know, and um, normally. And that's just wisdom. Uh, You just learn that over time
0: and you're able to balance your emotions sometimes because you just keep Mm -hmm. yourself, you don't get too excited. You don't get too deflated. You just kind of maintain that middle ground.
1: You know, and and the the scary part about it is when you're in the storm, you're always thinking, you know, I should have prepared for this by this, you know, and you start second guessing yeah. everything yeah. so yeah, yeah that's that's the biggest strength <laughs> and biggest weakness that I face on yeah. a regular basis I think a lot
0: of leaders deal with that I've you heard know. I've heard yeah. that yeah it's 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 an ongoing. because you know as a leader a natural you know part of being a leader is wanting to be excellent Mm-hmm. Know, excellence yep. is a Versus goal. success, just to be Absolutely. clear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you you want to do a good job, and you're in front of people, and mm-hmm. you're you know you know you typically you know a, an effective leader overall loves people, mm-hmm. so you don't want to disappoint people, hurt people, anger people. That comes with the territory of leading. Correct. You're going to frustrate people, anger people, but you don't set out to do that. So you know you want to, especially with what you've talked about in Chick Fil A, you want good relationships, and that's mm-hmm. a that's a premium. You want that. So when you Hurt someone, offend somebody. Someone gets ticked off. You lose not. sleep. Absolutely, yeah. it bothers you. That's yeah. just part of being a leader. It comes with the territory, you know. So, that's difficult. Well, here's an easy question: what What's a what's a day off look like for Juan? That you enjoy? <laughs> if you could pick a day off, you know, this is what I'd want to do. What would it look like?
1: A day in which my kids are listening to my wife. <laughs> They're not disobeying us. Yeah. Um, a day where we can um, go for a fun bike ride, play, hike. At the beach, yeah. outside, outside, always doing something. Yeah. Rarely is it just hanging out at home. And yeah. my wife on, on her case, though, would be she's very much an introvert and yeah. heard perfect days with a cup of coffee. Nobody around her. Sure. Just a uh, day alone. But yeah. you
0: like outdoors, mm-hmm. bike riding, beach outdoor yeah. activities, uh, yeah. uh, something where we're with your kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the kids. I mean, I, my kids are amazing. Yeah. But I got to remind myself of that some days. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> well, you're at the stage of life we all have to remind ourselves when their kids are young, you know, a little like that running around, it, it, it can get, uh, it can be challenging. Overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming. <laughs> that's right. If you could sit down over a, a meal, you know, mm-hmm. with, with anyone, and, mm-hmm. and past or present, mm-hmm. it could be a person who's living today, a person who's passed on, uh, but just to enjoy a meal, who, who would you choose?
1: This may sound weird to say, but my biological dad
0: biological dad
1: yeah um, you know his name is Manuel and um, you know he was out of my life starting at I think around six years old yeah. and uh, I just want him to know that the Ortiz name lives on hmm. you know and I want him to know that um, I am very much like him except I'm a I'm a saved version of that Yeah. Um, because I, I we bumped into each other on the twi- when I was 21 and we went out on a trip together and it was shocking how genetics run yeah, through your it's the way we think the way we carry ourselves our body language it's almost one in the same and uh, i just want him to know that the ortiz family is real it lives on and i'm teaching them what honor dignity respect looks like
0: that's excellent so well one thank you for your your time today i know you've got a lot of uh, you know responsibilities each day and you're busy and uh, not just with uh, your family but also with your your business and thank you for taking some time to share a little bit of who you are and where you've been and where you're going and some of your wisdom with us today Good it's wisdom. been an honor to have you here how does someone get up with you i don't think you're 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 not as present on social media is that correct no okay no so, i'm not an advocate yeah so media. if somebody <laughs> said hey i've got a few questions for one you know would you prefer email would you prefer what
1: uh my biggest advice is go to the restaurant okay um speak to one of the directors leave your contact information um they will they're trained to say i'm not there they're yeah. trained to answer phones say i'm in a meeting sure um because in one way shape or form I'm not there, or I'm, not in, a me- I'm in a meeting. Right. <laughs> so um, leave your information, and okay. then um, we'll get back to you. Either if it's something free, then you know one of my directors will get back to you. If yeah. it's something catering, one of my directors will get back to you. Yeah. But if it's um, something that only I and I alone can help you with, yeah. um, then I'll reach out. Great.
0: Well, Juan, thank you very much.
1: No, It's a pleasure, man. It's, it's been really awkward sitting in front of my mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
0: did a great job, and uh, we've learned a lot and enjoyed getting to know you. So yeah. take care. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting Scottneil.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash online. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.